I'm a covenant man Living in the riches of my Lord and King I'm a covenant man Committed to Him in everything I do believe He'll come again And I know one thing I'm gonna do till then Is learn to live in the blessing of Abraham Hello everybody and welcome to the Covenant Living Broadcast. I'm David Weeder, and all this month, glory to God, Lynn is with me. My beautiful diamond in my household of faith that the Lord has blessed me with for 31 years here in a couple months. Glory to God. We, some people, you know, I try to say that we got married when we were three, but... <laughs> It doesn't, it doesn't cover it. She maybe, she looks, she's young. She's, mm. she's young. So. Anyway, we are having a wonderful time all this month. This month is dedicated, we're teaching material out of our new book, The Diamond in Your Household of Faith, and we are having fun. And this broadcast, we're going to go into Proverbs 31. She's going to do most of the talking because <laughs> she has taught on this and enjoyed it. We have delved into it together, but I get to start off because I enjoy this part. Proverbs 31 is, in my opinion, one of the most talked about and taught passages in the Bible regarding uh, Christian marriage Christian in relation women. to women yeah, and how a woman is supposed to act and all these things. As a matter of fact, there's a phrase, the Proverbs 31 woman. And that is probably one of the most misunderstood phrases in all of Christendom, in my opinion. If you ask the, the average Christian, what does it mean? What are the characteristics of a Proverbs 31 woman. Well, the word that comes up is virtuous. Yeah, exactly. Because yeah. that's what's used in Proverbs 31.10. That's right. Who can find a virtuous woman? Who can find a virtuous woman? Her price is far above rubies. And that's where the diamond comes in because a diamond's price is far above rubies. But... The problem is, if you ask most Christians, particularly men, who are teaching the women what they're <laughs> supposed to be like, oh, don't even get me started. We'll talk about that later. Anyway, if you ask most Christians, what does it mean to be a virtuous woman? You'll hear words like chaste, meek, pious, mild, lowly of heart, things like that. Basically quiet and easy to... Timid. Timid is one that I hear quite a bit, actually. Well, let me read to you the actual Hebrew. You know, that is the language that the Old Testament was written in. The actual Hebrew definition of that word virtuous in Proverbs 31.10. Are you ready? You might need to like take notes on it. Well, you do need to take notes on this. Virtuous means a force, whether of men, means, or other resources, an army, wealthy, virtue, 
valor, strength, able, activity, army, a band of soldiers or a company, great forces, goods, host, might, power, riches, strength, strong, substance, train, as in training of a soldier, valiant, valor, virtuous, war, and worthy. Now that is directly out of the Strong's Concordance of Hebrew words for that word virtuous in Proverbs 31. Now an interesting note, and then I'll get this over to Lynn. <laughs> that word virtuous is exactly the same Hebrew word that is translated in places like 2 Samuel 23, where it talks about valor and David's mighty men of valor and their great exploits of war and strength. It's the same word, people. The, Quit selling the wife short. The only time it's translated virtuous is when it's referring to women. Ruth was called virtuous and it was that same word. In Proverbs 31, they use virtuous. And I understand, especially back when this was translated, virtue was pow the power of being right. That um, when Jesus healed, they said, and virtue went out of him. Mm -hmm. So that's where that came from. But someplace along the line, we quit using virtue as meaning power. We just knew the right part. It does have to do with being righteous and holy, but there's power and strength that comes with it. Well, and you know, this is a sensitive subject for me because I'm married to a very descriptive, virtuous woman that fits that description. But, you know, I've heard over the years from time to time some just ridiculous, I want to use another word, but I'll just be calm and say ridiculous comments trying to justify places for a woman in marriage. You know, you and I have both heard it taught that a woman in marriage should not be responsible for keeping the books, keeping the checkbook, managing the finances, because that's just too much pressure for a woman. They're not designed to handle that pressure. Bull! Did you read the definition of virtuous, bless God? That doesn't sound like she's too weak to handle anything, let alone a piece of paper and a checkbook. Come on. Gee, Lord. All right. <clears throat> so now that I got to say my favorite part, take off. So especially as we started delving into Proverbs 31 woman years ago, I started seeing all of these facets and I kind of broke them down into six main categories. And the first one is strong and authoritative. We have verses where it talks about strengthening her arms, girding her loins, which tosses it back to him for just a second. I get to, ju I get to jump back in here again because this is I, guys have such big egos. And one of the things that, that guys just love to point out is in Job uh, 38.3, it says to gird up your loins like a man, you know, and in, and in uh, Corinthians, it says to, you know, to act like a man. It, 
It tells a woman right here the same thing. Gird Verse up the 17, loins. she girds her loins with strength and strengthens her arms. So just get over it, guys. You're not the only ones that can gird up loins, all right? So just, just, just get over that right now. The second category would be that she runs her house well and that she sees to those things. So definitely watching over the home life, making sure that there are groceries in the house, making sure that your kids are clothed, all of that is included. But that's not the only thing that Proverbs 31 discusses. Now, wait a minute here. Yes. Are you are, are you going to get back to that strong point any point? Yes, I am. Okay, all right, all right. Overview. Okay, okay. <laughs> The third thing that they talk about are businesses. She buys and sells. She seeks wool. She gets her food from overseas. She sees a property and sees that it's good. So she has enough business sense to weigh that in her little brain, as so many people have implied, to understand, yeah, that's a good purchase. No, that's not. And have enough business sense to accommodate that you know another thing with the um, the business sense and the real estate you know and things like that you know I've heard it we've also heard it said many times a woman's place is in the home your children come first and that's where she needs to be I agree the children come first for both parents however the two do not preclude one another right. because Proverbs 31 goes on to say, now she's already, we already read where she's involved in real estate transactions and, and we'll see later on, she's involved in exports and imports and shipping and, and textiles and things like that. And yet, towards the end of the chapter, it says her children rise up and call her blessed. So she has children and they rise up, so they're in the house during that time period that she's doing those other things. And so it does not preclude one the other. The next category is she shows benevolence. She reaches out and gives to the poor. She is kind. Another thing is she's very hardworking. She's not just sitting around and doing nothing and sitting on the couch and watching soap operas and eating bonbons. <laughs> that era's kind of past now, but that's... That would be a rough cut diamond. Rough cut. <laughs> and finally, she's a teacher. She does teach her children. And then in the New Testament, we see where the older women teach the younger women. So all of those things are encountered here in Proverbs 31 in this multifaceted. Not only did she teach, you know, in the New Testament, you were talking about the older women teaching the younger women, which is true, but they also taught the men. You know, Timothy, Paul talks to Timothy, which is his spiritual son, and talks about the unfeigned faith that is in you that was also first in your grandmother and your mother. It's, it's obvious that they taught Timothy in the things of God because faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. They taught Timothy the word of God and that's how faith came into Timothy. And then even there in, uh, in, in the Gospels talks about Anna in the temple teaching she, all that would hear. Right. She was there. She was doing her part. She was doing what God called her to do. Mm -hmm. And here in Proverbs 31, I'm just going to start scanning down through and pointing out where each of these verses falls into this. 
And of course, we covered verse 10. She is a virtuous woman. And as we looked at those categories and in the description of what virtuous actually is, one of the things that I like is it's a force, whether of men or resources. We've all heard, man, she is a force to be reckoned with. I've said that a few times myself. <laughs> and nobody really wants to be on the other end of that force if they're in the wrong, because that being right and not being afraid to stand up and speak up and say something and do something is an, an integral part of being able to, to function, function. As, yeah. the vir- as the virtuous woman. So verse 11, the heart of her husband does safely trust in her so that he has no need of spoil. Well, if he is paired up with this woman who is strong and capable, able to make these business decisions, it does include rich in that uh, definition. Well, of course he doesn't need to go around and cheat, but it's also not saying that he's not doing his part either. But he knows that his heart is safe. If something happened where he needed to be off for a while, it's okay. She's strong enough to handle it. But not only that, it's um, it gives the the husband the ability to focus on what he's supposed to do, because he doesn't have to be concerned. His heart can can trust completely. It doesn't matter. He doesn't have to worry about people, you know, saying things about himself. His his wife has his back. And, you know, they can tell her stuff about him or, or, or whatever, and it doesn't phase her. She's strong. She's confident. She knows him. She's got the ability, and um, as we'll see later, I mean, even, even physically if necessary in a lot of cases, she has his back. There's no need for concern. And kind of, you know, the no, no need for spoil uh, in the way that most people read that, you know, and in, in, in the capacity of no need of, of cheating, you know, having an affair or anything like that, you know, a lot of that is remedied just in the confidence of the woman as she realizes her capabilities and places right. and callings and things like that because there's, there's, more, there's more life there. There's, there's more energy in all areas of life, including that one. So there's no need, right? you know, for the man to go seek other things. Then um, in verse 12, she'll do him good and not evil all the days of her life. Sometimes we do, we don't really think through what that would be. But if she is walking in a place of lacking confidence being needy and constantly drawing from him instead of helping impart life to him, that is a version of evil to him Mm. because she's constantly a draw and not coming in together. One of those things, I read the Little House on the Prairie books when I was little. And even when I was little and seeing, they would find the matching horses they would get the matching oxen to pull together. If you had one that was a lot stronger than the other, then it was actually, it would be pulling that stronger one back. And that is that part of doing him good and not evil is being able to come up alongside him and pull together. You know, it's interesting you use that example because 
I mean, this is just a this is just an agricultural fact. Right. If you get a team of horses, two horses, and I'm not talking about a big team, but I mean it, it applies. But two horses in a team does not equal the power and strength of twice one. It's the it's it's called synergy. It's the most awesome thing that the Lord put in place. You can take one horse of a certain strength and power. You take another horse of a certain strength, same strength and power, exactly the same. Now, if you put both those horses together pulling, it isn't twice the power of one. It's actually three times the power and of one. And that's just in the natural. Exactly. And in Matthew, we have one can put a thousand to flight, two, two can put 10,000. 10, and and uh, like we read uh, last week, on the broadcast, you know, the three-stranded cord, you could, that's just, in, you got the, the husband and the wife, but then you put the I am in the middle of it. And so he supplies his power on top of the natural power. And I'll tell you what, you've got an unbeatable force. Now, as we go on down, verse 13, she seeks wool and flax and works willingly with her hands. So that's the business and the just working with her hands, doing what she has in front of her. Being diligent. She's like the merchant ship. She brings food from afar. Exports and imports. Now, that is exports and imports, and that's also making sure that your family has the best to eat. She rises while it is yet night and gives meat to her household and a portion to her maidens. To get everything done, she does not just stay in bed all day. And it does say there, a portion to her maidens. That's, right. that's she makes sure that the people that work for her are well handled as well. She doesn't just abuse them. She doesn't just run over them. She makes sure that they're fed. Okay, and now here's your job for today. So are you telling me that a woman should be in a position to have employees? Yes. Wow. Um, she considers a field and buys it. And with the fruit of her hand, she plants a vineyard. She's got money. Yes, she considers a field. She buys it with the fruit of her hands, what she has in her accounts, she plants a vineyard. Nowhere in that verse did it even imply that she needed to go consult with her husband and say, okay, there's this field here. I'd like you to take a look at it. I need your opinion of whether I should do it or not. It just said she went and did it. Now, that also implies that there's enough money in their account where it's not a joint, okay, we've got to pool our money to get this. It was an investment that she made. Well, it was her, yeah, it was her money, you know. And that carries over into the New Testament. Uh, in Luke, it talks about the women that supported Jesus' ministry of their own means. Mm -hmm. And not only do they support Jesus, they, it specifically says in his whole team, you know, of their money. Women are supposed to, the wives are supposed to be rich. It, that's part of the definition of a virtuous Absolutely. woman. Absolutely. Now verse 17, she girds her loins with strength and strengthens her arms. Because I've typically been athletic and I have raised a very athletic daughter, we have run into a lot of preconceived notions about women and being strong and having a strong body. And I'm actually, I was amazed that even in these last couple of years, my daughter has ministered to young women 
who were concerned about working out because they didn't want to look like a man. This says that she strengthens her loins. She strengthens her arms. Being weak is not feminine. Being feminine is not weak. You can be very strong and capable, work out, have a strong body. Anybody who's ever hauled around a two-year-old while trying to cook and do grocery <laughs> shopping because they don't want to sit in the cart because they want to snuggle with you knows you better have some strong arms. Straddle walking over them as they go in front of you while pushing that same cart. Again, you're getting a good leg workout there, but you cannot do those things that you need to do as a wife, as a mom, as a businesswoman if you are weak. And there is nothing wrong with working out and becoming strong and capable. Capable of defending those kids if you need to. Is this where I can jump in? You can jump in. <laughs> <laughs> All right, people. Let's talk about Deborah in Judges. This should lay to rest with the definition that God gave in Proverbs 31 of what virtuous actually is. And you get all these unrighteously divided people. Opinions. <laughs> Opinions <laughs> that try to say, you know, that, you know, women aren't supposed to hold places in the church and they're not supposed to, you know, they have no right being in the military. They, whatever, you know. Deborah blows that out of the water because she was not only a prophetess, which means she was honored to the highest place in spiritual things by God. She was a judge. You will find her story in Judges 4, which means she was the ruler over the nation. Don't tell me women can't do it or are not capable. Deborah shoots it clean out of the water. But there's another lady involved in Judges that most nobody knows about, and her name is Jael. And in the latter part of Judges 4, you will see where Jael plays nice and sweet and invites the guy that's fleeing from the army into the tent, supplies him with some refreshment. He's tired, covers him up, I believe, yes. if I remember right. Covers him up, stands guard at the tent until he goes to sleep. And then she goes, takes a tent peg and a hammer and fastens his head to the ground with through the temples. Now, that's pretty good in itself. But, you know, leave it to the angel of the Lord to really describe it well. And to show you what value that action, which most people would consider extremely unfeminine, unladylike, and downright rude. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But that's not what the angel of the Lord said. In Judges chapter 5, verse 23, he says, the, it says, curse. Oh, oh, go ahead. Isn't it 23? Yeah. Curse ye, Moroz, said the angel of the Lord. So that's who's talking. Curse you bitterly, the inhabitants thereof, because they came not to help, to the help of the Lord, to the help of the Lord against the mighty. But Jael did. Blessed above women. That kind of sounds like what they said about Mary, Mary, the mother of Jesus. Blessed above women shall Jael, the wife of Heber, the Kenite be. Blessed shall she be above women in the tent. Listen to this. 
He asked water and she gave him milk. She went a step above what he asked for. She brought forth butter in a lordly dish. Then she put her hand to the nail and her, might, her right hand to the workman's hammer. And with the hammer, she smote Sisera. She smote off his head when she had pierced and stricken through the temples. So um, you need to, you never know when you might just have to take somebody's head off. You need to keep yourself strong there, women. <laughs> I love it. I like. I love. I just. I love it when the Lord has such a radically different opinion of what a blessed woman is than ninety nine point nine percent of the church world wouldn't go that far. <laughs> so, okay, back to you. Okay, uh, we're down to verse eighteen now. She perceives that her merchandise is good, so she's not selling shoddy things. She is has good quality control. Her candle goes not out by night. Again, that goes back to she's not lazy. Even if she left the candle burning and went to bed, it would not be out by the time she got up. Uh, she lays her handle to the spindle and her hand holds the distaff. Again, it's another, it's another avenue of income. She's actually making cloth. And then that's where we get into, she stretches out her hand to the poor and she reaches out her hands to the needy. Compassionate she's, and rich. She's not afraid for the snow for her household, for all of her household are clothed with scarlet. She makes coverings of tapestry. She clothes herself in silk and purple. So she does pay attention to what she looks like. She's working hard, but she still dresses nicely, elegantly. Um, strength and honor are her clothing and she shall rejoice at the time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom and in her tongue is the law of kindness. She looks well to the ways of her household and eats not the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed and her husband also, he praises her. Many daughters have done virtuously, but thou excellest them all. Her children rise up and praise her. Her husband praises her. And every husband should be saying, oh yeah, all these women are nice, but you're the best. You're the best. And once a week or once a month or once a decade, just doesn't get it. So was that, was that it? That's was it. it. Okay. That is, goes on to favor is deceitful, beauty is vain, but a woman that fears the Lord, she shall be praised. So let me ask you a question. Is Proverbs 31 describing some sort of a wonder superwoman? No. It's describing a multifaceted diamond. All the different facets of a wife are described, and it's a marvelous thing. Well, that's all the time we've got to today. <laughs> I hope you had as much fun as we did, but you just hold on till next week, buddy. I'll tell you what, until then, Remember, Lynn and I love you so much. God loves you. He is always for you and never against you. And Jesus, Jesus is Lord. The Diamond in Your Household of Faith should be required reading for every Christian couple. Dr. David Weeder writes in great detail to help you understand the worth and value of one of God's greatest gifts. You'll learn how valuable the virtuous, prudent, and good wife is in the sight of God. Knowing the proper place of a woman and the relationship between husband and wife is the only way we can truly be effective. 
Find out the secret to a healthy, amazing marriage in the diamond in your household of faith. Order your copy today at davidweeder.org. Thank you, partners and friends, for helping make this broadcast possible. Be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel and follow us on Instagram. You can also listen to our broadcast on iTunes. For more information about our ministry, contact us at davidweeder.org or call us at 1-800-988-5380. Join us again next time on the Covenant Living Broadcast. Mama,